Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. What's going on? Nothing, right? No, nothing going on. Everything's fine. Everything's lovely. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to this episode of After 9, everyone. It's obviously us, Scott and Kat. We're here every day. If if you're one of the many people who has been following the story that is in Toronto radio about uh, Q107 morning show host John Derringer and then messaging us, asking us what we think, I'm in a bit of a weird predicament here only because... We didn't even work here at this time, but this station that we work at, not in Toronto, it's in Kitchener-Waterloo, is also owned by Chorus, but we have never worked at Chorus Key, the Toronto outlet. Correct, yeah. So I don't blame you for asking. I mean, I'm sure you want to know what everybody in broadcasting thinks. We didn't come here until 2019 to this company and then there was COVID and I haven't even met most of the people that work here. <laughs> we weren't I, even I allowed no in headquarters for a long time because of COVID. I think finally they're opening their doors. Uh, yeah. What I will say to those who are asking me, um, asking me if I know more about it or what's going on or, Hey, it's crazy. Eh? I don't like to comment on situations that I actually don't know anything about. I cannot speak to what happened between Jennifer Valentine, who I know to be a really, really uh, nice woman only from meeting her in passing. That's it. And I can't speak to John John Derringer for similar reasons. In passing, CMW events, hello, how are you? And I think that's the misconception, so I understand why you guys would ask us. I pick, you know, we you and I both have pictures with him and many other broadcasters. We when we get together, that's what happens. Yeah. I have no idea what happened here. I have no knowledge of what happened um on that morning show for many, many years. Never even been actually stepped foot in that studio and I trust that those who investigate these things are going to do, I hope, a thorough job and do what's right at the end of the day. That much I'll say. Now, when it comes to women in broadcasting and the shit that we've had to deal with, oh, of course I've seen shit. <laughs> in general, of course I've seen it. And unfortunately, I've seen it up to very recently. I'm wondering if anything's going to change based on this. So I do commend Jennifer in stepping forward because it's amazing how many people will follow in those footsteps and say, yeah, that's happened to me. That exact thing, same person. Or that exact thing, different person, different province. This is how happened to me over here. This happened to me in the 80s, the 90s. More recently, more will come to light from this. That much I will tell you guys. I, I, I know it's going to happen. I know these horror stories are going to continue to be heard and there's going to be public figures being named. And um, but for this particular case, I can't speak on it and I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, the company sent out a news release yesterday and didn't even send it to us. I do the news and they didn't send it to me. So I I. Just based on what I'm reading online, it looks like they're doing an investigation. That's good. An investigation should be done. They said new information came to light. That being the case, then yeah, they should investigate that. Everything else, though, I have actually met John once where I actually talked to him. Actually, you know what? I'll tell you the story real quick. We were golfing and we met on the third hole and he came up to me and he said, hi, John Derringer. And I said, hi, Scott Fox. Hi, great to meet you. Carry on. Have a good round. Three holes later, I ran into him again. And he came up to me. Hi, John Derringer. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and I was like, are you fucking with me? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> he didn't remember that we met like an hour ago. So uh, <laughs> I don't know either of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, what's coming out sounds terrible. But I, I guess we kind of have to wait for the investigation to finish up and then we can go from there. In any case, I didn't... Uh, uh, I didn't really want to bring it up, but people are asking. So yeah, yeah well, there it is. The we're not going to hide from it. And we can't comment on it because we don't we weren't there. So um, I, what I will say is I think anybody who is, uh, you know, brave enough to tell a story that they know might have consequences. Um, I, I get that that's really difficult. So I am curious to see what changes, what changes come from this. Well, one thing that I do see changing is the fact that Jennifer did come forward with a complaint And I don't know what happened in the past, but I know now it's being taken very seriously. And Mm -hmm. I would hope that that's the case going forward. And you know what else? One other thing that I will mention, and it's not specific to this, but just generally speaking, it's amazing how many people don't speak up. And I've been guilty of it in the past. I'm not going to say that I'm innocent here of not speaking up when they see or hear somebody doing something or saying something that's not okay, um, that just stays quiet. And it almost is guilty by association in that way. So it is a it's a good top of, you know, top of mind awareness. Basically, we can all have and we can take to any workplace, by the way, is that are we are we aware of 
what's happening? Do we need to reach out to report something if someone else isn't? I mean, I don't know the answers to all of that, but it definitely brings some awareness to it. And on that, we will move on to the other content that we fully intend to wow you with today. Nah, I'm kidding. It's uh, it's a somber day. Listen, I, you've probably heard us talk about this before. And it's ridiculous that we're talking about it again. But an 18-year-old gunman opened fire at a Texas elementary school yesterday and killed a teacher, another adult, and 19 children. He went from classroom to classroom in a school that's for grades 2, 3, and 4 before he was fatally shot by law enforcement. This was Robb Elementary School in Uvalde. Is that how I say that? Uvalde? I don't know how to say it. Uh, They say it is a heavily Latino community west of San Antonio. I have friends in San Antonio, and I'm going to reach out to them today because the whole community, the whole country, the whole world hurts when you hear a story like this. And I don't blame President Biden yesterday. He came out and again called for new restrictions on firearms. He said it is time after many, many years of failures to deal with the problem. And I'm wondering, Kat, because this was the most deadly school shooting in over a decade. Is now the time when America can finally look in the mirror and say, we're not doing this right. We need to make a change to make people safer. I sure as hell hope that changes are made. How many times do we need to hear stories like this? You know, we just, I, we just had quite the explosive rant, both of us, you and I, when we talked about the gunmen entering the uh, top supermarket and targeting black people in that particular case. The availability of these guns, it's just a scary, scary situation. My constitutional rights... Fuck those, because those are all the shit. We need an update. I absolutely agree with Joe Biden, but act on it. We can't keep hearing these stories and and then being kind of almost numb to it after a while. I think some people do feel that way. I mean, I think it's really important we continue to share the stories. And I saw a couple today. It just makes it that much more real. It's like a stab in the heart. You know, people sharing photos and saying this is, you know, this girl was this year's old. She left for the morning and told her mom she couldn't wait to watch a movie with her that night. Like just shit like that. Oh, it makes me tear up thinking about it. And it pisses me off that they're still in a place where these kind of stories come out almost semi-regularly. It's not okay. What's it going to take? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm America, I'm a Canadian. and I don't want to lecture you guys on how to run your country, but I will tell you that we have very good Uh, common sense restrictions in Canada. When someone decides they want a firearm, first off, there's two different categories. There's restricted and non-restricted. If you want a non-restricted firearm, that's your, your long guns, your rifles, your even some pellet guns that go at a certain feet per second. You have to take a course. And after you finish the course, there's a cooling off period. I believe it's 60 days. And then after the 60 days, you can apply for your firearms license. It goes to our national police force, the RCMP, who will heavily vet you. They will contact your spouse privately to find out if they have any objections to you having a firearm. Then they're going to kick it down to your local police force, who is going to vet you again and call you in for an interview. And assuming you pass all of that, Then they will issue you a firearms license. Then you're allowed to go and buy a gun under very strict conditions. You can't even hold a gun at a gun store unless you have an actual license and you've been vetted by the RCMP and your local police force. And the OPP actually looks after the program. If you want a restricted firearm, that's handguns and anything that's automatic. That's even harder. The course you have to take is longer and more in-depth. You're going to get vetted just the same way you would Mm -hmm. if you wanted a non-restricted. And in that case, you have to, I I believe, don't quote me on this specific part, but I think they want to know why you want it too. I, I seem to remember that being a question. Either way, whether it is or isn't, it's a long process and it's a drawn out process. It's not like someone in Canada, unless they're rolling on the streets and they have access to the illegal guns, which flow over the border every day. If I decide, you know what, I've had enough and I'm going to go and shoot somebody in order for me to buy a gun. It's minimum six months, six months plus a safety course, plus interviews, plus Mm -hmm. being vetted by two different police forces. Plus, 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 plus America has nothing like that. You can go into a gun show 
and buy a fully automatic weapon, go and buy all the bullets you want, and go and shoot up a school. Basically, no questions asked, no background checks, and it's very frustrating. And by the way, the course that you take, the weekend course, is it's in-depth. I mean, it's everything from the history of a firearm. Do you know why they call it a firearm? Because mm, it blasts your arm when you shoot it? <laughs> no, back in the day. I learned it when I took the course because, yeah, I've taken the course. Uh, back in the day, the guns were propelled slightly different. And when you fired a bullet, it looked like a trail of fire coming out the barrel of the gun. So that's why they call it a firearm because it looks like fire coming out of your arm. So anyway, that's one of the things you learn. But everything from how to dismantle them, how to clean them, how to safely check to see if they're loaded, how to store them. And by the way, when you have those guns, Mm -hmm. you can get audited at any time. Mm -hmm. If you have certain kinds of guns and you've actually been approved to have them, you have to inform the police when you're taking it out of your house to go to the range or to go hunting or whatever you're using it for. I mean, we have really good common sense gun control measures in this country and America, even if you don't want to dive into the deep end, you could take even pieces of our system and use them there and make your country so much more safe so that kids Mm -hmm. don't have to go through this. One of the most shocking, shocking things I witnessed was one of my trips to Vegas. And I'm trying to think of it as when I was getting married there. But uh, it was, hey, guys, let's go and, you know, let's go outside of the city strip and let's go check out a couple of things. And one of the things on the docket was the gun range. And I was like, okay, cool. I've never done this in my life. Can I even do this? Yep, it's easy. I had to fill out nothing, basically. It was easy to go ahead and give me a gun. Now, I stayed at the range. It was a gun range, after all. And there were professionals there that helped you out and taught you and showed you. And that's fine. But one of the most shocking moments for me that made me just sick to my stomach being there, and I willingly went there. Don't get me wrong. But I went there, and I look over, and I see, I want to say, like an 8 to 10-year-old holding one of these automatic weapons, laughing, like, it was just another day at an, it, it was like, they were going to the fair. Like, it was an amusement ride. Like, oh, we're doing this again. I get to hold this time. Do, 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 do. And just shooting the shit out of the target. And I just like, ooh, it just didn't feel good to me. It's it didn't cringy. feel good. It's very cringy. Yeah. Very cringy. And that was the moment I was like, I'd like to leave now. It just made me so uncomfortable. Well, even at that. So my son, when I took my firearms course, I thought, you know what? You should take yours too. So I did take him, but you have to be, I think it's 14 in Canada to at least be able to take the course. And even at that, you can only get a youth firearms license, which is so, so, so heavily restricted. But that's meant to be a way to responsibly introduce people to firearms. And even if all of this sounds crazy to you living in a metropolitan area like Toronto or London, Kitchener, Waterloo, whatever... Uh, There are many people in this country who that's just a way of life. They need their shotgun to protect their property from animals or Or whatever. Or hunt. Or hunt. I mean, I have family. And some people do it for food. I have family up north and that's everybody has their gun case and they're responsible and they've got their gun case and it's locked up and everything. But that's what they that's what they do. That's kind of just the weekend. That's the weekend plan. I'm glad you mentioned it because even the restrictions on how you have to store the gun in your home, if you are a licensed firearms owner, it's very restrictive. You can't keep the ammunition near the gun. The gun cannot be in any sort of a firing mode state. Yeah. or firing yeah. state. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be locked up at all times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like if I have a gun license, I can just leave firearms laying around my house. It doesn't work like that. There should be no way that a kid in Canada could go into mom or dad's gun closet if mom or dad have done it right and grab that gun and go to school. It just doesn't work like that. So I'm really, really hoping that America, you, you heard some of that and you think, well, that makes sense. That's a good way that Canada does that. I want to play for you a little bit of President Biden from last night before we move on. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? I am sick and tired of it. And don't tell me we can't have an impact on this carnage. The idea that an 18-year-old kid can walk into a gun store and buy two assault weapons is just wrong. What in God's name do you need an assault weapon for except to kill someone? These kinds of mass shootings rarely happen anywhere else in the world. Why? They have mental health problems. They have domestic disputes in other countries. Why do we keep letting this happen? Where in God's name is our backbone to have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies? 
It's time to act. I don't agree with Joe Biden on much, but I agree with him on this. In America, you guys got to find a way to come together. If you can look in the mirror and say, well, 19 dead children, but we're not going to do anything about yeah. it because of this. Let's just move on. Yeah, you, you can't. Yeah. You guys can't keep doing this. And I don't want to lecture you. I don't think anyone should interfere in your country's politics. But Jesus you got to do something. We can't let that continue. And that doesn't just go for the mass shootings in schools. That goes for all the shootings. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people get shot on a daily basis in Chicago? It's like a goddamn fucking war zone. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, it's crazy how many people are dying because of this. And all you guys have to do is some simple common sense stuff. And you could really have a dramatic impact. And I hope you guys do it. I really do. Uh, okay, while we're on serious subjects, before we get to some fun stuff, and if you're, if that drained you, I get it, because I was mentally exhausted and so, so sad yesterday mm-hmm. when I heard what happened. If you want to fast forward through this part, go ahead, but this is a conversation we're going to have to have soon. It's coming, whether we like it or not, and I know we're not going to agree on it as a country, but today, council in Waterloo Region, where we do our radio show, is going to vote on whether or not they will endorse and get behind a proposal from the integrated drug strategy that we decriminalize illicit drugs. It wasn't that long ago we were talking about cannabis and, oh, my God, what will happen if we legalize cannabis? That was the initial proposal, decriminalize weed. And then when Trudeau was elected, he said, no, we're going to legalize it. I agree wholeheartedly with Prime Minister Trudeau. In fact, I look back and wonder why it was ever criminal in the first place. Mm -hmm. So... We've got legalized marijuana, and that was a big step for a lot of people. There's still people who have a hard time with it. I don't think I'm ever going to feel comfortable lighting a joint in front of my mom because I remember all those conversations when I was growing up (laughs) about this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. But it's a different story when we're talking about cocaine, when we're talking about opioids, when we're talking about heroin, when we're talking about meth. And yeah, stuff like it, that. It is. Because to me, it's an, it's the accessibility issue that freaks me out. It's the accessibility. Maybe you make you make people um, able to carry it. Maybe it's more accessible and gets into the wrong hands and ends up maybe even mistakenly um, taken in by the wrong person. You know what I mean? I, I, that worries me. I, I've heard a lot of the arguments on both sides of it. And I'm going to try and summarize it for you. If you're someone who doesn't want this to happen, it's likely because you realize that those drugs are dangerous. It's likely because you don't want to tell uh, someone who is addicted to drugs that it's okay to keep telling drugs. And there's some who feel that that is the message it's sending. If you decriminalize it, you've basically thrown in the towel. Law enforcement can't deal with it. So we're just going to say it's okay. They're not talking about making... Uh, cocaine and ecstasy available at Shoppers Drug Mart. That's not what we're talking about. There, was, well, there won't be a store that would be uh, on King Street where you can go in and buy illicit drugs. Right. But part of this is making their access to a safer supply, not just the stuff that got cut in somebody's basement and sold on the street. There would be places where you can get stuff that they know is safe and they know where it came from. There would be more safe consumption sites. There would be more emphasis on naloxone to reverse some of the opioid overdoses, which are terrible. They're never going to say it's okay, but they're not going to criminalize someone who does it because part of the problem here is we've got people with a true addiction. And maybe that addiction is fueled by any number of things, whether it be mental health issues or more. And frankly, they can't get out of that cycle right now. But they also can't go and get the treatment they need because they're afraid they're going to go to jail if they admit they've got heroin. They're afraid they're going to get... Uh, uh, whatever they'll lose their entire life because they got some fentanyl on them. The whole point of this is to allow people to come forward and get that treatment without fear of being arrested. And that's a big push behind it. Yeah. I don't know. I just can't imagine it. I just can't imagine it, but I'm so separated from that world. Yeah. Like I saw my first actual, I didn't even see them actually technically, but I, I didn't even have an encounter with, with drugs of that nature at all growing up. And I'm so thankful for that. It wasn't until I started working in Toronto at a party and a, someone who shall not be named, but is a public figure, let's just say, was uh, doing coke in the bathroom. And I stumbled upon them doing that in the women's bathroom. Yes, believe it or not. And I stumbled upon him doing that. And I went, what the fuck is happening? And mm-hmm. when I did that and when I reacted to it back to the people who were all from the area went, oh, yeah, now that happens. I just like to me, it's so shocking. So I can't even imagine a world where this and I, I understand again, I'm so separated from it. The addiction portion of it, I don't get. 
I never grew up around it, so I don't get that. I, I, I know that there's issues and I, I know and I sympathize with with people on it, but I don't know enough about it maybe to make me go, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I was never really exposed to that either. I mean, I've certainly been offered just about everything under the sun, but I don't take it. And I, I, I know me and I know that I have an addictive personality and I just know that I'm not going down that rabbit hole. So I've always avoided it. And frankly, I do see a bit of a discrepancy here. Do I want people to feel safe in coming forward and getting help, whether it be addiction counseling or medical treatment for their addictions? Yeah, absolutely. But how do you do that without telling people that are just going to a St. Patty's Day party that it's okay for them because they've got an addiction, so they're allowed to carry fentanyl, but you going to a party? No, you're not allowed to carry cocaine. This isn't a license to party here. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you draw the line. Yeah. And, and I also really struggle with saying it's okay. So however they do it, I really hope they get the balance right so that we don't enable more people to get addicted, but we do enable the people who are in the system, who are susceptible to it, prone to it, if you will, to get the treatment they need. The counselor who's put this forward, uh, the motion they're going to debate today, he is got a good point. He said... The drug problem is so bad, we can't arrest our way out of it. If we arrested every single person that had fentanyl or or whatever on them, the jails would be full and we still wouldn't solve the problem. So we've got to think of it from a healthcare lens. Makes perfect sense. But how do you do one without dismissing the other or giving the others permission to go ahead and, like I said, party? And, and, and you know, one thing leads to another. And we know what life is like right now. Life is expensive. It's hard. Um, There's more and more people facing those mental health issues and more and more people who are struggling to make ends meet. And that can and doesn't always, but it can lead to more drug use. So there's all those factors up in the air, too. So they'll consider all things. That's what they're going to do. And we will bring you any updates. While we're talking about parties. <laughs> nice segue. That's my natural ability. While we're talking about parties. I can segue. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody shows up late to a party, right? But how much time past your arrival invite is okay to be late? We actually have an answer now. A political reporter in Washington, his name is Sam, came up with this. He believes 38 minutes late to a party is the perfect amount of time. Oh, interesting. He says it usually means you won't be the first one there, but you won't come in awkwardly after things already get rolling. At a dinner party, you won't be too late to pick the seat you want. Basically, it just works. He says if you want to fine-tune the lateness even more than that, a mathematician named Daniel Biss just worked with The Atlantic to come up with an actual formula to determine the exact amount of time that you should show up at a party. And you can see that on The Atlantic website. They take seven factors into account to figure out your perfect arrival time, including how punctual your friends normally are, how awkward it would be for you to be too early or too late, and how excited you are for going to the party. First off, you're putting way too much fucking time and effort into figuring this out. That's a lot of things. And did you say 30? I'm sorry. Did you say 32? 38 minutes. Oh, 38. Like, why not just like a half hour-ish? Why do we have to go? Okay. Uh, Are you usually usually late? I'm trying to think. If you... Let's go dinner party route. Let's go dinner party because we're adults here. Yep. Because <laughs> frat parties are one thing. I mean, in college, it, everybody would show up late. Every, and when I say late, I mean like midnight. But dinner party. 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. If you're throwing out an invite. So if I'm hosting, for example, I don't think it's rude if you show up a half hour after I say. If I say, hey, dinner party at my place. We're going to just have a couple drinks at 530. So come at 530. We're not going to eat till 630. You show up at 6, 615. Cool. That's fine. As long as you don't like eat and get out right away, because that's brood too. But I, I'm fine with that. I do find that my, I arrive on time though. Like yeah. just after. I don't mind being one of the first guests. I don't mind. It depends on whose party it is. If it's family though, I'm right on time. No problem. Because I can help you, right? I, I'm comfortable in your house. I know my way around your house. Let me help you serve things. Let me help you. That's my thought on it anyway. Let me help you do this. Let me get settled into my spot and grab me a glass of wine to start things off. But late Never feel comfortable with it. I feel awkward coming in when everyone's already chatting and in the middle of their conversations. It's kind of like, hey, hey guys, hey, hey guys. Like, I'm going to grab a seat where I can. It's awkward. Uh, any appies left? Yeah, anything? like it's awkward. No. I don't know. I don't like being late. I don't like being late either. And so 
again, back to this 38 minutes thing, if you have to put that much time and effort into figuring out when you need to be there, there's something else going on there. You're either nervous as shit about going or you don't really want to go or something. I don't think you need a formula to figure out what time. But for me, when I'm entertaining, I tell people what time we're eating. And I don't tell them what time to come. I'll just say, hey, make sure you come on over Saturday night. We're having dinner. Dinner is at 6 o'clock. If they ask, what time should I come, then I might tell them, anytime after 5. Anytime after 5.30. Anytime after 4. Whatever. But I'll tell them what time the food is. And some people will show up shortly before the food comes out. Other people will be there just a reasonable amount of time before that. I like being one of the first ones because, A, I'm fucking nosy. I like to look around and see what's going on and see what's (laughs) happening in the kitchen there. Sure. Oh, oh, you're not going to sear that first, eh? Well, let's see how dinner is. You know, that sort of shit. I like to have my first choice on on the drinks. I don't want to get there late and then find out all the good beer has been drank. Fuck that. And I like to socialize with the person who's having me over. If I come to your house, it's because I like you. And I want to hang out with you. I don't consider it an obligation. So I'll get there usually around when they say to get there. But if they're coming to my place, I just tell them what time we're eating. It can be a fight for time. It's true. If you're getting together with a group of people and let's say you're all good friends and you're you're playing a game of catch up when you're doing that. I like to get there early for that exact reason, too. I want to socialize with you, see what's up, especially if you're the one hosting, because I know how busy it is to host. I've been there many a times where I'm hosting and I don't get a chance to talk to as many people as I want. So I'll go early just so that I can get some time in with you, too. Uh, While we're talking about parties and cooking, I'll give this a little mention. I like Miller Lite. There's some good American beers that just don't get any respect in Canada. Sam Adams is a great beer. Miller Lite is a good beer, so I'm giving them a plug here. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Miller Lite. Mmm, mmm, delicious. I don't think that's their slogan at all. Not even close. Not even fucking close. Not even fucking close. What are you doing? Bubbly and good. It's so beery. Look at mm. you trying to score a fucking beer commercial. You're already doing well enough. You save some voiceovers for the rest of us. <laughs> Sam Adams, my favorite Sam. <laughs> <laughs> they just announced they're going to start selling on their website beer infused charcoal. Actually, oh. I shouldn't even say just announced because they sold out almost immediately. Not clear if they're going to sell it in stores, but within minutes... Somebody who paid $12 for a bag of beer-infused charcoal was selling it on eBay for $250. That's how quickly it sold out. I don't hate that. I don't hate it either. I, I'm I like a bit of beer infusion when I'm cooking. Well, I mean, and who, who hasn't actually used beer to cook? You're right. I mean, beer can chicken is one example of many, many uh, so steaks. Good. Some people use it to get a little addition to their steaks. Many, many different items can be you can top with beer. So why not have... I just, I'm curious if that adds like a good beer taste or is it like a kind of a burnt beer taste? And what does that smell like? Each briquette is infused with concentrated Miller Lite. It's supposed to give whatever you grill a slight beer taste. They say the food cooked over it is safe for all ages, though the charcoal itself will not get you drunk. Well, I like the creativity there. 12 bucks is a little expensive for a bag of charcoal, but obviously they've done some work to it. I would absolutely try this. Except it's sold out and I'm not paying $250 on eBay. Oh, hell no. (laughs) But maybe they'll bring it back. It's a big anniversary today, Kat. It was on May 25th, 2007. Just two years after the launch of YouTube. Pornhub. Launched online. Happy birthday. As of this past December, Pornhub was the eighth most visited website in the world. Sandwiched right between Walmart.com and Reddit.com. <laughs> and now probably a pretty popular app, too, I'd imagine, all these years later. Is there an app for Pornhub? Mm, I assume so. There's an app for YouTube. Why would there be an app for Pornhub? Surprisingly, I don't know that information. Yeah, why don't you know? You've, ch- you've changed. I know. <laughs> Fuck, right? I know. Get me a girlfriend and finally, if suddenly I don't need porn anymore. What's that all about? I will say, though, I don't fully understand how Pornhub is still in business. I don't know how right. much an ad is on that website, but you don't really see a whole ton of ads on the site. So I don't know how they're making money, but there's content creators that are uploading shit like crazy to there. Yeah, you think there's got to be an ad revenue in there. 
Maybe there has to be. Or it's the eighth it's most a, popular site on the internet. How can it not be making millions? You know what uh, else has an anniversary today? Is Google Street View turns 15 today. 15 years yeah. they've been doing that? Can we update the fucking it's map so then? It's so bad, guys. It's so bad. It's, uh, yeah, can we update the map? Two things. And another thing, let us know when you're going to do it. Please. That would be really helpful. Because I want to make sure my lawn is mowed. I want to make sure if it's garbage day, fuck it. I'm not even going to put the garbage out that day. I'll take a hit. Because if you're coming by with a camera, I'm not having a sack of garbage outside my front lawn. I will be clothed. I will make sure that I that the cars look clean in the driveway. Or maybe I'll tuck them into the garage. I don't know yet. Just give us a heads up. That's rude not to just come and, and be like, snap, snap, here's some photos, and then put them online. Give us a heads up. I'll tell you, I was... Uh... At my first house when I moved to Milton, and this was way back like 20 years ago, when I got that first house and, and eventually the Google car came around, I looked and I was like, huh, what's that? What's that sticking out of the roof of that fucking car? What's this? And the picture of me <laughs> in front of the house, and I'm in like pajama oh, pants no. and a sweatshirt, no socks Gosh. on. I walked out in my bare feet because I just put the stupid recycling bins on the curb. No. And there's a picture of me looking at the car like, like I saw a spaceship or something like that. What the fuck is that? They blur out your face, but sometimes they do a shit job too. Oh, no, they blurred out like my left shoulder and left my <laughs> face in. Stupid. So dumb. Did but I just checked and they removed it. Or, they, it's, it's a on, new picture. It's a new picture. Okay, listen. You know what? You know what though? You're probably still fucked because they just announced with this anniversary, this is part two of the story, is that number one, it's the 15th anniversary. Number two, they just announced Google Street View history. So now they're going to go as far back as they can and you're still going to be able to see, hey, this is the update five years ago. This is this what happened five years previous to that. So as far back as they can go, which is 15 years now, you can actually go Google Street View history to see those photos. So those photos are there for all of time, which is horrible. Ah, come on. Really? You know, they found like murderers that way, too, by Google Street View. Those stories fascinate me. They found people doing shit they're not supposed to be doing. Like, at least you were just outside. And you didn't murder somebody or something. Like, no, they I was caught, just being nosy. They, they've got fucking murderers through Google Street View. I find that kind of neat. But I do like the fact that they are going to give a history. That's fine. But, but update the damn photos. We have a lot of people who listen. And I know there's people that work at Google. Probably not in that area. I understand Google is very vast. Lots of different areas to work in, in Google. If but you're it, about to use your platform to try and get a redo on your own personal fucking picture, that's deplorable. Google Street View for you, for everyone. Log on now to see your history. Come on, Google. Is that what you wanted? You just want to redo on your flight? You I want just, a, a reshoot? Mine was uh, under construction. Oh. So if, if people go to look now, they're like, oh, and it looks different. We actually fixed a lot of the outside of the house because the color, the color on the outside was atrocious. So I got new ease troughs and fascia and a whole bunch of things done to the house. On top of the fact that it's still under construction. Our next door neighbor's house doesn't even exist in the photo. And they're most definitely there now. So, yeah, I mean, it looks dirty. I, I wouldn't mind a little redo is all I'm saying. Huh? Yeah, me too. If they can get rid of that old fucking picture, I think you can see like my butt crack. <laughs> I'm looking like just the top of my bum. I just saved your Um, old address in here. Yeah, I'm going to Google that later. That's funny. Kat, in an effort to help save the environment, uh, Trendy Bar is doing something that I think that we should all be considering how we can conserve a little more water, be a little more green. They've decided they're going to redo their bathrooms. Lots you can do in a bathroom. You can put in the water-saving shower heads and faucets. You can do taps that automatically shut off unless your hand is actually under the tap. You can do low-flow toilets, all that stuff. They doubled down. They went even further. They said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not using any toilet water. So when they redid the bathroom at the London Creative Hub, Frank's Cafe is what it's called. The new bathroom is a shelf, and then below the shelf is a seat, like a toilet seat. But the toilet seat's not attached to a toilet. It just goes into the floor. What they would like you to do, so they can use less water, is they would like you to sit on the seat, have a pee or a poo, (laughs) and then you reach into this metal bin, which is down beside the seat, grab a scoop full of sawdust, and throw the sawdust on top of your business. Then you take this little tiny shovel, kind of like what you clean out a fireplace with. You scoop up your own poo or, or sawdust pee and put it in the bin 
which then goes to compost or organics or whatever. Basically, they want you to pee in a litter box. They've created an adult litter box, and they want us to get excited about it. Few things. Yeah. I'm surprised it's only a few. few (laughs) This is at a cafe. Yeah. It's a bar. It's not a bar. Okay. So it's not even like this is a place where you may not even need to pee, guys. It's fine. It's a, you know, it's a library. You might go in, you check it out. You never, you barely use those facilities. This is a place where you're almost guaranteed to need to pee. Some people, after they have coffee, believe it or not, definitely take a shit. And then we're supposed to go in there, sit down on this seat, poop into a hole, much like a, a cat does, but we also have to clean up our own mess. Yes. And then shovel it into a bucket. I don't trust people. I mean, I don't, there's not a lot of trust happening for me in public bathrooms as is. There's toilets that have a flush right there, and yet people still don't even flush it. They're like... Now, fuck it. I'll leave this log for the next person. <laughs> so you're telling me. Sometimes it's so good, though, you think other people should oh, see it. Oh, it's gross. No, it's gross. And they leave toilet paper. Wait, is there toilet paper in this place? Yeah, but it's got to go in the pile, too, that you cover up with the you sawdust. Shovel out, you got So you wipe yourself, you put it in, and then you immediately have to take it out. Okay, but I think it's like the, the repurposed toilet paper, like the real shit, like, like one fly. And, and my vagina is going to burn. Yeah, your vagina is going to burn after that. Oy, oy, oy. I'm just trying to think, too, of oh, I don't want to gross too many people out. But the whole the whole thing. I mean, if you're taking a poop, that's gross. There, I'm thinking about women that time of the month. What's that going to be like? You know, that's not none of this is good. I'm sure I there's a separate I, se- receptacle for tampons. I would think there is. So they, they don't want that in the sure. sawdust going to organics. Uh, yeah. And then they'll probably yell at you on the way out. Like, is this an organic tampon? <laughs> like, <I just> feel, <laughs> Did you use one or no? You have the washable pads, and you throw them away. Like I just it's found a, bit, a tampon in the a, garbage. Who the fuck did this? Swing it around. <laughs> Can someone claim this, please? Please come to the front. I I I feel like that's nice as an option. But like you mentioned, there are so many great things. There's timed taps, and there's you know sanitizer. If you really don't want to use water, and ugh, this still kind of grosses me out a little bit because use soap too. I don't know. But I, uh, I don't like it, is my point. I, don't, I mean, I'm not ready. I'm not there. I'm not, it's not happening for me. I mean, I'll pee on the floor when there's no sawdust. So, okay, fine. I mean, guys can just stand there and pee onto the floor. And as long as you cover it up with sawdust, it should absorb a lot of the pee. Then you just scoop it up. Like a litter box, really. It is. <laughs> I just think that it might be fun for now. But eventually, no. as good as, as uh, sawdust smells... Everything that comes out of you does not smell that good. And I have a feeling it's going to be like a, like a forest covered in piss. It's it, not it, going to be good. No, it's not going to be good at all. Yeah. But it, it is a lot more green if we're talking water conservation. It is more green. Yeah. I mean, shitting in the woods is green, too. It doesn't mean I'm going to go do it. I think, too, when you mentioned the kitty litter thing, it got me thinking. Maybe the owner of you, whoever that might mean in your life, maybe you've got a spouse, a partner, a friend that's with you, they should be in charge of scooping it, much like, much like people do with their cats every day. Took a shit in the box. Go pick it up, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I just took a shit. You want to take care of that? <laughs> Does somebody own this man? He ha- he's, take- <laughs> he's taking a shit, and he has not cleaned it. We've got a shovel waiting for you. It doesn't smell too bad, pretty bad, but not too bad. How sticky is that That's floor going to be? That's fucking gross. I oh, mean, my God. Look, I'm all for environmental changes, and I'm making small ones myself in life. This is not a, something I would venture to. No. According to a survey, 45% of women say they'd be unlikely or certainly not willing to date a single man with a cat. Men with cats are viewed as less masculine, more Aww. neurotic. More agreeable and open and less dateable, according to this study. Huh? What's wrong with cats? (laughs) I like cats. They're fine. I have a dog, but I also have a cat. What's wrong with cats? What's wrong with cats? They're cuddly and cute. You know, it's interesting to me. These why are so many studies lately about particularly men? I find you always get you always get targeted for what animals do they have and what does it mean about the personalities? Because so many guys can't figure out why they can't find somebody or why they can't get laid. Is that it? I think so. I mean, and guys don't give a fuck. Well, I mean, 
they put these things out. It's great fodder for things like podcasts and radio sure. shows and, you know, those last couple of stories that they put on the news to fill the time and shit like that. <laughs> those human interest stories. Yeah, I mean, it's good for stuff like that. But maybe there's guys that hear this stuff and think, I- I've got another one right here about how less likely you are to get a match in your Tinder profile if you're not wearing a shirt. If you've got a topless photo up there, women tend to think you're dumb superficial narcissistic narcissistic and a long list of shit they don't want to date you if you've got your shirt off so maybe they put that stuff out there in hopes that the big business that is online dating will continue and it only will if people have more success with it what's the equivalent then for a a woman what could she be taking a picture with that men are like "Mm, no (laughs) not interested if it's a good looking let's just say you're attracted to the person but something because that's messed up to me in the current climate i don't care what she looks like i only care about her personality (laughs) get out of here stop it but you know i just especially with men why is it it's got to be like oh you're not that masculine and you hear all these stories and we did one not long ago it was a different kind of study but it showed about men who have you know hamsters and things and sure we didn't hear of that a lot and we kind of poke fun at it a little bit like i don't have i don't know a lot of grown men that have a hamster that's not for their children you know for example but i I just are we really gonna rush to judge based on a like if you have a photo with your with a cat for example right i know you're saying shirtless photo and you know i tend to agree with that one but what does it matter what kind of pet you have I mean, unless the cat fucking hates you. I don't think you should be too concerned. Maybe, though. Is there anything to... Guys tend to take on things that they think will help them get more women. Maybe guys thought, girls love cats. I'm going to get a cat, and that'll make me more likely to get girls over here. I mean, uh, you definitely see that more... Fo- generally in social media. I can't speak to the dating apps, but generally on social media. Puppies. Dogs in general, too. I don't see as many cats being shown off i don't maybe because the cats are like get me the fuck out of here i'm don't take a picture with me i'm not interested the cat's probably judging you're probably fucking lucky that cat can't talk like another girl come on get the fuck out of here are you trying to impress now (laughs) seriously um let's see here let's get to uh where the hell did i put it oh okay i got it (laughs) There's just two more things I want to cover. Uh, Nabisco, the cookie or cracker company. Nabisco. Yeah. They've got a new mashup. They call it a mashup. And it's now on sale. It's on the official Oreo website. You can go to Oreo.com slash Ritz. They have a limited time offering that you can order. The new mashup is Ritz crackers and Oreo cookies. It's an Oreo cookie with the, the cream in the middle. Half of it. The other half is a Ritz cracker with peanut butter. So it's kind of like shoving an Oreo and a Ritz bits in your mouth at the same time. And while that's going to sound really strange to some people, I'm here for it. That would probably be damn delicious. So the salty sweet combo, I mean, absolutely. There's a lot of people here for that. And to me, it's like, although the peanut butter sweet in the Ritz peanut butter mix, it's that salty flavor of the cracker people like. And then there's going to be the sweet flavor of the Oreo. So A, I see this being very, very popular. B, it just reminds me of how gluttonous we are. Yeah. I mean, we can't, we just, we just, we have to have it because you know there's people that have to have it. When you go to the States, because here in Canada, you got like a couple different versions of Oreo, I guess, right? What do we got? Like regular, double stuffed. I think we got Oreo thins. Oh, there's they've a couple a, different flavors, right? There's some. You can get the watermelon. Yeah. You can get the birthday cake flavor. You could get the Lady Gaga one at one point, I think. So we do have a few, but it's nothing compared to the States. Oh, no. They pump out Oreo flavors like it's nothing. Yep. Like just, who has an idea? It's like a boardroom full of like a million people. Like, who's got an idea? Ritz cracker Oreo. Great. Fuck, we're doing it. Set up the line. We're doing it. Whatever you said, <laughs> package it, ship it out. Sell it. <laughs> There's a bajillion in that aisle. It's insanity. It's insanity. But that said, people do like that kind of thing. And I see this being popular, maybe around for longer than they than they assume after it's sold out, of course. Part of the fun, though, of America is just seeing how many different kind of Oreos you can find. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's wild. Yeah. And they're they're there for it. If you go into Target, oh, yeah. there is never not a bunch of people in the Oreo aisle just sifting through like they're at the goddamn library. Like, oh, I found watermelon. This one's lemon. <laughs> Read the description on this one, sweetheart. <laughs> in all fairness, in parts of America, that's basically like a pretty fancy dessert. <laughs> We're having Oreo cookies with some 2% milk. These ones have rainbow chips in them, kids. (laughs) 83% 
of new college graduates feel the pandemic ruined their college years. I believe it. You know, I believe it. We've said this so many times Mm. before. Nobody, well, take away the long-term care people because that's a whole other issue. Yeah, old people aside. You mean the ones that died? Nobody (laughs) under 50 got screwed in this pandemic more than young people who lost out on opportunities to work or when they did have to work were thrown into the shittiest jobs possible. They did not get any of the supports that many other people did. It was very, very sad. Now those students are turning their attention to the working world And the top thing on their minds is how much money they're going to make at this career. The poll of 400 students in the class of 2022, and this was a poll done by Joblist, finds Google searches for average salary post-college are up 223%. Okay. When they compared the results to their latest online poll of college grads last year, they find this year's grads are significantly more optimistic about their chances of finding a job. That makes sense because we've been told there's a massive labor shortage. And when you hear that, you think, oh, great, I'll get a job. Cool. It's just a matter of where and for how much. More than two-thirds feel they are ready to enter the current job market. However, 60% have changed their career plans because of COVID and because of their college experience Mm -hmm. or because their industry has completely changed, the one they were training to get into. Mm -hmm. Along with having to spend a large chunk of their college careers learning remotely, off campus, and away from classmates and friends, 2022 grads also spend a lot of time shifting their career focus. So 62% completely changed the industry they plan to work in while they were in college over the last two years. Many shifted careers because of how they're perceiving the current post-pandemic job market. Hey, maybe you were going to school to do uh, fine arts. And then you realized, but I could make a lot more money as a computer engineer. I'm going to be a computer engineer now. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable to me that halfway through your stream, you can change to something completely different. You know but what? A lot of people do. And it's for the best. You know, how many of those maybe were in an industry like a travel industry or something and they were really worried it would never be the same again. A lot of different industries were affected. So I could see that. And you know what? Change it. While you're at that age, change it. Change your course. If it looks, if it looks like it's going to be a rocky road for you. Don't follow either a don't follow through with it completely. Just back out and go into a new program. And I know people, many people do that. It's better to do it and get it out of the way. And it's more for me of an age thing. You're already in that boat you're in. You're already going to have to struggle with some student debt, which sucks. I I do feel for everybody that age. I mean, we've talked about it many times before, but fuck and the social aspect of it all, too. They just got screwed. A hundred percent. They did Uh, last, but certainly not least, because we are up against the clock. Now we have a big day today. It's National Wine Day. You like rosé. I'm very, if it's a take it or leave it, I'm leaving it every time. Don't like rosé. So I won't ask you about that. Favorite white. Not the bottle, the kind of white. Are you like a a Chardonnay girl? Are you a Pinot Grigio? More Pinot Pinot Grigio. Really? Yeah. Okay. What about red? What are you into now? Yeah, I'm more. Did you ever take my advice on California reds? Oh, Merlot? yeah, I do. I've had many of them. Yeah, I'm actually I had a good um, a Spanish one that I don't remember the name of offhand. I usually can't pronounce them anyway, but I've been into uh, and a Chilean one I had to. I'm trying to think of what it was, though. Uh, Noirs. I honestly look a lot more at sugar content now than I do at the actual wine. But I drink red and I drink white and I don't discriminate. There are some really nice dry rosés I quite like, too. But I, oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to trying all kinds as long as they're not like 43 grams sugar a liter because then I'm just going to have a headache the next day. Can I tell you a couple of hot takes on wine? And I can really only speak about red. Rosé, okay, rosé, I'll, I'll do rosé first. Rosé is highly overrated, not great wine. You drink that because it's closer to juice than it is to alcohol. It's not though. See, you're drinking, I don't even know what rosé you're drinking. There are some that are much drier than any reds I'm sure you've had. I've that never are very had a, light. I've never had a rosé that I like. Never You once. probably haven't tried enough. There's What's, actually some good ones because I thought the same thing. It's because they were heavily, yeah, there's ones, again, you have to look at the sugar content of it too because that does make a difference. There's some nice dry ones that I guarantee you'd like in the summer, a good summer sipper. Hmm. Okay. Red wine. Australian red wine is highly, highly, highly overrated. Not great. Chilean wine is highly, highly underrated. It is really good. You mentioned Spanish wine. I haven't had that many, but what I did have 
was fine. If you're looking in the Chilean section, the American section, the French or the Italian section at Vintages, you're good. Don't be afraid to go into vintages. That's another thing. I'm glad you brought up. People are so scared. They automatically assume they're going to spend 60 bucks a bottle. That's not even the case. You can find bottles for $14.99 in vintages. And they're not all vintage, by the way. They're not all old. There's just bottles that they're showcasing or that had a really high score. Go into vintages. You don't have to buy off the rack unless Mm -hmm. you want like a fucking box of wine. If that's the case fine, but you're not going to find that in the vintages section. So don't be afraid of vintages. Stay away from Australia. Definitely go Chilean. Spain, yep, I'm here for it. France has amazing white wine, not as good with the the red. However, Italy, I've never had a bad bottle of Italian wine. Are you just saying that because your girlfriend's family's Italian? No, not at all, (laughs) not at all, but go for Tuscany. Have yourselves a fantastic... National Wine Day. We will be back tomorrow with another episode of After 9. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and hit the subscribe button. Yeah. You'll get future episodes automatically. We appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. Deputies in Ohio encountered an Amish man who was suspected of being under the influence while operating a horse and buggy. Hey, wake up. There's a Bud Light can sitting in there and he's passed clean out. The horse knows how to get home. And that's basically the Amish version of self-driving Tesla. (laughs) Top Gun Maverick was released in theaters across the country. That's right, it is finally out after a three-year delay. Yeah, when they heard even Spirit Airlines was like, damn, respect. I've seen the movie, and the action is incredible. Uh, The last time I felt that tense at a movie theater, it was because someone coughed. The fast food chain Arby's announced yesterday that it will add a hamburger to its menu for the first time in its history. But people don't go to Arby's because they want a burger. They go there because everything else is closed. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal. Broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.